This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Zupan's, which uh, has been with us now for a few years. Yep. And you and I have had the opportunity to shop there quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how nice it is to be able to go to Zupan's a lot. Anybody who's out there in Portland should make either Zupan's their main supermarket or put it in the mix. Absolutely. We go there uh, typically er- almost every Sunday to get, because we like to do steaks or some sort of salmon on the grill. Which the, go to Zupan's. The, food, the meat and seafood department is incredible. Yeah. There. In fact, right now, actually, February 8th through the 10th, 30% off grass-fed beef. Right. And if you are listening to this after February 10th, yeah. know that you should sign up for the news oh, feed yeah. and you'll find out what what kind of deals they have and what's in season over there and what they're doing really nicely. Yeah, some, and sometimes those deals include like two for one. Buy like a New York steak, you get the second one for free. Right. And that's, that's a good value because they're excellent steaks. So mm-hmm. to have that second one for free is fantastic. Also, Valentine's Day is coming up. And if you've ever been to Zupan's, you know how beautiful their oh. floral department is. Not only the fresh flowers, but just all the things, the, the accoutrements, the nice, nice pots. As well. Yeah. In fact, the, for the last couple of years, Chris, I've been using Zupans as I, I go down, I do my shopping, and then I stop by the, the floral department and I get my uh, roses ordered for Randy and they deliver them here at work. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm on the hook now. I got I have someone to buy some, some kind of flowers for. I'm not going to say the roses. I don't want to give it away. Right. She listens to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, Something will be coming. Oh, now it's no longer a surprise. Ah. It's not going to be flowers. <laughs> Cho- but they have great, cho- they have great chocolate. Too. It has to be a surprise, right? It can't just be. Well, and that, uh, you know, to your point, if there's a special gift that you need for somebody, they have so many great things and great ideas I, all around the store. I always find that there's, a, and they have a nice selection of cards. Yep. And but yeah, all the stuffed all, animals all for the, kids. I get, I do that all the time for my girls. Oh really? Yeah. I haven't noticed. Oh the yeah. Stuffed animals. It's interesting. Well, you're you're you not really in the looking, market. Yeah. When you're looking for something. But I am. Oh man. So yeah, be in the market. Yep. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Be at Zupan's. Can I do the location? Sure. You always do the location. Yeah, go for it. So that's West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove. And also, as always, at Zupans.com. Hi, once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles. And Court Johnson over there, who you can also hear on kink.fm, who also, now I'm really enjoying your podcast, Court. Oh yeah, Unholy Matrimony. Yes. My wife. Yes, you guys are you guys are pretty fun. I think I've told you it reminds me of another podcast I enjoy. Should I keep reeling off great podcasts for people to take no, them away just, from this no, one? No, just listen to this podcast. Yeah, okay. It's, it's a great podcast. That. Yeah, there's, there's another one out there, My Wife Hates Me. People yeah. are always asking, what are your favorite? That's a big question now. What are the favorite podcasts? And I always kind of like to look to see if people are mentioning right at the fork. Sure. Well, so, you, you know, you can always like and subscribe. And see Leave a review. Like right. That's how we know. Yeah, Send us an email. Do that. Say, hey, I'm here. Yeah. That's good. It's good for not only for us to know, but as I understand it, the more you review, the more other people are going to yeah. see this exists. Right. So it's, it's the whole, keep us around. It's the whole engagement algorithm that's there in, and I hate to think in about social media and all that yeah, stuff I hate, now. I hate all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it is what it is, and it's life today, and it's all f- kind of free advertising. Sure, Algorithms right. mean free, ad- yes, right. free advertising. Yeah, so, that's what it means. Um, but... We have uh, we have one of our 
what do we call them? Archives. Our classic episodes? Classic episodes. We're, we're calling it classic on our own. Right. But we, these are classics for a reason. These are, I'm sorry, Court. No, I was just going to say, they, we just call them classic because they're, they're, they're important and they're some of our favorites. They're some of our favorites, but, it, it, you know, we assume podcasting has really caught on in the last couple of years. There are a lot of you listening who weren't listening a yeah. few years ago. We're in year six here. We yep. started in 2014 mm-hmm. with an interview from about Yelp from Don Barasa. That's right. Um, and we went on with Nick Zukin at Me Maramole. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're on, oh my God, we're 200 some odd interviews and then a lot of little sound bites along the way. Yeah. Uh, and I want to promote this coming up, International Women's Month, where we've never done a special, we kind of did a special series of couples on our first year. Right. Which we should revisit. That, sure. That's good. We, we kind of have one of those coming up. Right. But we need more mics. Yeah, <laughs> we, need, we need a sponsor. We it's need to sponsor. This always mic been a problem. Is, this mic is sponsored by yeah. anybody out there want to be that person or that, anyway, that business. I don't think it's a problem of, of finding another mic. It's finding a place in my board over here to plug it into. Oh, there that's, you go. that's the bigger. Problem. That's a bigger issue. Yep. So um, we're getting super technical right now. Yeah, that's all right. We won't do that. But but so these classic episodes. Um, oh, oh, International Women's Month. Yep. Women interviewing women, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, they're not all solidified yet, but it looks like Molly Real from KPTV, yep. who does a lot of great segments mm-hmm. on Channel 12, is going to never has more than a couple of minutes to talk to someone. Right. No, she's going to have gonna 45, 45 minutes. minutes to talk to Whitney Burnside mm-hmm. of Ten Barrel Brewing, which she's looking forward to. Um, we we uh, we hear we're going to have Missy Mackey. Missy, if you're listening, get back to me right. on that. Confirm this bad boy. Yeah, confirm. And let's find out who you're going to interview. Yeah. And um, also, Brooke from Eater. Yeah, she's uh, she's working on some pretty some of her favorites mm-hmm. uh, to interview someone. And we're we love having Brooke. She's got a slightly younger perspective. Oh yeah, not to age anybody else who's doing this, but uh, it'll be great to have Brooke and uh, and an honor all to have all of these folks do it. And then we'll have another one too. So four yep. four podcasts featuring women interviewing women. And then in parentheses, generally about issues of interest to women. Sure. So that's coming up. But but more importantly today, Eli Cairo mm-hmm. from Olympia Provisions. This is a go-to man and go-to business in Portland that embodies everything that the food world um, represents in Portland, Oregon in the year 2019. Mm-hmm. And if, oh, that's it. You wanted to end that? No, no, no. We're talking. We can end with meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. or not? <laughs> no, we're talking about his uh, um, younger years in Germany and Switzerland, and learning the ropes, yep. and uh, and then some of the things that are required to be um, the type of facility that he is, which we'll talk about at Olympia Provisions. Um, did we talk about the name change at all? I think we did a little bit. Yeah, we, we went through, through just through? Like, from Olympia Olympic to Olympia. Yeah, in a perfect world, you and I would have just listened to that podcast to know everything that we're talking about. But mm. oh no, come on! <laughs> we, 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 we you in know. a perfect world. No, you're right. In a perfect world. Sorry, <laughs> you're talking about a perfect. World. <laughs> but um, but we encourage you to listen to because one thing we both do remember is we enjoyed it very much. And yep. Eli is a great guy, and we want to have him back on. At some point in the future to see what's going on with uh, Olympia Provisions and some of the new spots that they've opened since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more. 
with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. And by Portland Food Adventures. Inviting you to listen to Right at the Fork, episode number 170 with Proud Mary Coffee's Nolan Hurdy. Then imagine yourself eating and sipping your way through Melbourne, Australia this April for nine incredible days of VIP treatment at Nolan's favorite places in Proud Mary's home city. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and extra savings on these PFA food journeys. Hey, is that fixed from last time? Is that actually fixed, or is that a new one? That's a new one. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I had to bring in BYO mic stand. <laughs> what it is? Bring your own mic stand. Yeah, they switched it out for that thing over there, which doesn't even work. It <laughs> won't stay up. And so last week he had the kindergarten version. It was like at two foot level <laughs> to bend over. Yeah. To uh, talk. not last week, two weeks ago. I'm nothing but flexible, quite literally, when it came to that mic. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the mic, the mic can move. Yeah, too. it's not. See, we, well, Elias has been in the the Alpha Studios before, and we had to use a backup studio that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm if right. I'm remembering correctly, I move that in. Uh-huh. Uh, the mic was over modulated that we had at the time, so I had to like bring the levels way down and hope that it didn't peak out. It was crazy. Well, those I'm things, those things happen. But yeah. you got another. So we got another shot. Yep. Not, we're not suggesting anybody <laughs> go back and listen to that anyway. Nope. So, I don't think you can find that episode anywhere from a, a previous... From the Jamie Mustard. The Jamie Mustard era. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is where you and I met. So That's the, right, yeah. Uh, or through Jamie. Um, but I just want to get one thing clear. So we refer to you as Eli. Eli. Mm-hmm. Court just said Elias. I was saying that for a long time. And then Eric at CHOP initially... Said Elias. Elias, yeah. right. Uh, I'm Eli Cairo. <laughs> Most people call me Eli Cairo. Okay. My family calls me Elias, and anybody else that knows my name calls me Elias. But ah. I, like, I prefer to go as Eli. 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 <laughs> but if someone's going to go one way or the other, Eli. it's... Well, yeah, but if... Okay. Eli. But the, the, your family calls you... Uh, Elias. Eli, because that's the Greek pronunciation, exactly. correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know my I think name, I, my name is Greek, but I wouldn't know any of that. Yeah. So I had to hearken back to to the way Jamie Mustard pronounced it, and so I think that was my reference Still point. Stuck, so yeah, yeah. And, been, and and you didn't correct him. Well, I do. At some point, I call myself Eli, but I'm so it's been what forty years of just dealing with this shit. So it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer to anything. <laughs> I still get you know, my actual first name. My first initial is R, so I get male, dear R. What? And I hate that. Well, it's like, you know, F. Lee Bailey oh, is right. R. Christopher Angelus. Okay, so I've okay. given thought to changing. Anyway, no one wants to hear this. My name is, is actually Courtney, so for all my life, people think I'm a girl. 
Tell me that's true. That's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. that segues nicely into when I went in this morning, you were kind enough to give me a uh, a tour of your beautiful 400,000 square foot facility. 40,000. 40,000, yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. I misplaced a digit in there with breakfast. Yeah. Uh, I lost it in the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it, and I said, 400,000, that's big. big. That's like an office. That's like a giant office. Yeah, you yeah. know, now that I think about it, completely, there's no way. Yeah, 400,000 would be so scary. But- I, your receptionist there is Chris, so yeah. we actually had that discussion this morning, Court, mm. that I didn't like it as a kid because that was a girl's name, and she didn't like it because it was a boy's name. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you don't have that problem with Eli. No, nope. I'm all Eli. So, it's hard to pronounce. But going back to uh, childhood, so um, you started in restaurants with your at your dad's restaurants. How old were you? God, there's pictures of my mom taking us on bike to our dad's restaurant where I was like on a binky. Wow, that's pre-Portland, you know, it's yeah. perfect, riding yeah. a bike. Yeah, in Utah, who knew? In, suburbia Salt Lake. It was suburbia in Salt Lake? Yeah, we live in Sandy, so if you're familiar with the area, it's right at the base of Little Contwood Canyon, so right in- Good skin. Great skin. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, Court's the Salt Lake City guy here, so we I don't think we've ever had two Salt Lake City people here. Born, born and raised in I was, I was. Well, I grew up in Pleasant Grove, which is oh, just over the, uh-huh. in the next valley over, but yeah, no, Sandy was the the biggest city closest. closest to the biggest city yep so yeah that's it so what were the names of your dad's restaurants <laughs> um, we had queens one and two which were like super duper classic greek american spots you like know, huge menus yeah like you know get a grilled cheese burger euro slovakia baklava apple pie you name it we made it <laughs> right but i think the defining factor for me for greek diners growing up uh-huh. uh where i grew up was that you just could never finish looking at the menu because it was like 19 pages. Exactly. And like every breakfast item and every which way you could possibly have. And I don't know how the hell we all did it. And then you still had people saying, can I have it this way? Cottage cheese on my burger? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) So, and uh, what else? Yeah, let's see that one. And then we had a fourth floor cafeteria. That was actually the one later in my life that I worked at most. And it wasn't the unemployment building in downtown Salt Lake City, and it was on the fourth floor, hence the name, and we would just do like Greek-American diner food, but at a cafeteria, and it was just so awesome. And what did you learn there? Well, it's actually a funny story. uh, My family's well, more than happy to say that they had me just so I can entertain my older sister, Michelle. Like, she was a mistake, which is hilarious, and and they were like, well, you're going to have to play with her. Um, And then in high school, and she was an amazing student, I was exactly the opposite. I was always getting into shit, and she got in a little bit of trouble, and on one year, I think it was my fifth grade year, Michelle did something stupid, and her punishment was that she had to go spend every day of summer working in the restaurant, but she was my babysitter. And so I had to go with her every day, and all mm. she had to do was work the counter, and I did literally everything else, punch French fries, wash dishes, butter, grilled cheeses, meet people, scrub tables. I was working, and she was just on the cash register, which is so fitting to what we do right now. Right, and, and is it possible that had that not, had she not done something wrong, yeah. that maybe Olympia Provisions would not exist today? If Michelle didn't do a lot of things right, Olympia Provisions wouldn't exist today. <laughs> right, but <laughs> just the, ser- the, the fact that yeah. you worked together in totally. the restaurant uh-huh. at that point in time, maybe, may, yeah. or may, you don't never know. Totally, but. yeah, no, she, she actually saw how hard my family worked and how much it takes to like operate restaurants and be in food and all that. And she, and my, and my dad's advice obviously was like, go to school, get a business degree, do not get in the restaurant world. So when I started begging her for a restaurant slash meat plant, she's like, I'll give you money, but I'm never going to come work there. 
then what four years later she saw how much fun we were having and how much we needed her and now she works oh so she day. wasn't she wasn't there in the beginning no she was a cfo of opus solutions wow. she was like the youngest cfo right she was 30. she She's, got a 30 under 30 yeah, nod yeah. i remember exactly. um She's a ways smart. back yeah so um well, I don't mean I didn't mean that to be for Chris. Way on. back, no, oh, I mean, man, no, no, you catch I, that? I, I meant it was a, it wasn't it wasn't this year. It wasn't last year. So no. Um, <laughs> but interesting that you didn't take your father's advice because you know I lo- I was thinking about you this morning after I saw mm-hmm. and and I want to talk about what you think your dad would think now if he saw what well, you were doing. Let me let me let me just uh, was this was your dad's advice to your sister the same advice to you? No, not necessarily. Okay, that no. That's why I wasn't sure of. No, not necessarily. Because he had said to your sister, don't do the restaurant thing, but right. to you, yeah. might have been different. Yeah, I was always working, and she, he knew I wasn't okay. going to be a, a college student. He saw that one coming a long time ago, so he, we were always, you know, out in the backyard laboring and doing stuff, and, you know, not like, we had a great time in our restaurants, but it's not for everybody. Right. It's really, really hard work. Yeah. So I would think it would, some, especially teenagers, uh-huh would be completely dissuaded. Yeah. I'm not bothering. I'm not doing that. Well, it's a great story. I'll, I'll tell you this one. It's a good one. Um, uh, since I lived at the bottom of Sandy, Utah, right, I was snowboarding every single day. You know, my father passed away when I was 16, 15, 16, and my mom gave me a season's pass to the ski resort. And she's like, just don't go getting in trouble. If you're not feeling like school, just go snowboarding every single day. Long story short, I got really good at it that year, and I got sponsored by Burton Snowboards, and I dropped out of high school, and I was traveling around America. I was in, like, Montana, everywhere, and I would be riding with all my peers and my idols and all this great stuff, and I all of a sudden got really scared. I got super sick and tired of rolling up to a a ski resort and throwing myself off of the biggest cliffs, and had, like, literally just a free kind of scary accident wreck, didn't, like, get injured or anything, but it dawned on me that it's way too scary for me, and I really miss working in the kitchen, like, you know, nice coffee, the the pastries in the morning making, you know, it just wasn't scary. And I called my mom and I said, you know, I think I want to come back. I want to go to culinary school. And she flipped like most Greek moms would. We're going to go spend money to go learn how to cook. She's like, you're not going to go to no culinary school. You're going to go back to the old country. You know, you're, you, you got to go to Greece and cook. And I was like, I'm not moving to Greece. I've been there plenty. I don't want to go throw goats into fires. I know how to do that. Where I want to, you know, that would be sweet now. I would freaking love to have done it. But uh, they started asking around, and they got me my more fancy apprenticeship from that. So, in Switzerland. In Switzerland, so, yeah, the northeast right. border of Switzerland. So don't don't jump off cliffs in the United States. Let's just go, go over Switzerland. there and then learn an education while you're doing it. Yeah. So and uh, did you speak the language when you went? No, over there? not at all. Nope, nope, not a, not not a word. And I just did the smart thing. I I first off landed up in this most beautiful little village up in the northeast corner, and like the second I landed there. I just knew I had to stay. Like we were processing wild game every single day. Our, my neighbors were cheesemakers that I could go work in. I was, you know, a full uh, bakery, patisserie, all the vegetables, dealing with farmers every single day. I landed and I was like, this is heaven. I could ski out of my door. I could rock climb. I could just do everything. And I just decided to not take a day off of work or school until I learned the language. And then at about six months in, I did the smartest thing. And I got a girlfriend that couldn't speak English. And you had to learn it that way. So... Yeah. Oh. So this is, is this German, right? Swiss German, yeah. Swiss German, yeah. Mm-hmm. And written German is yeah. what we went to school. Okay. Yeah. And how long did you do that? Uh, my entire, I was there for five years. And well, that's, then, that's a pretty good quote uh, unquote apprenticeship. Yeah. You know, the first year I was supposed to be there six months. 
<clears throat> and then again, I made myself as valuable as possible, helping the neighbors out, like working on my days off, butchering, cleaning the, the the butcher shop, like doing. I really loved it. It didn't ever seem like work. You'd go in at seven in the morning, get like a two hour break in the middle of the day, and then get off around midnight and one. And it was just, it was the perfect time for me. I knew I was a dropout. I knew I had like this. I wanted a life change. I knew I was learning something, and I just was just ready for it. So is that work ethic genetic or environmental? Because, you know, I watch Jose. I was going to mention before. Yeah. Jose Chesa uh-huh. grew up, you know, in that industry, and he's yeah. such a hard worker. Yeah. And so is that is that yeah. what you I, I, Yeah, you know, I think you guys would agree. Most people that are entrepreneurs and are successful with it. If you love what you do, you just turn into the heart of workaholic. There's no way around it, you know? But it has to do more with you loving what you do rather yeah. than you're not necessarily citing what you observed mm-hmm. as a child. Like, this is what people do. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, it's, Michelle makes fun of me. I'm, I've turned exactly into my father. You know, if I'm not working at the meat plant, I'm working in my garden or making our wine or, you know, I'm just always working. I love being active and it's when I'm happiest, when I'm idle for two days, I'm so bored. I don't think you'd have, I think we can unequivocally say you wouldn't have what you have if you didn't have that drive to work and that love of it. Yeah. And it's, of course, you know, Michelle has the same unbelievable work ethic in a total different way. She doesn't stop either. And, you know, the people that we, we have definitely created that culture around us. Every, the majority of the people that work at Olympia Provisions are super hardworking and are really into it. And I have to say, having gone this morning, um, Everybody's smiling. Oh yeah, no it's, one, no one was unhappy to uh, be there, and it's a gloomy day too. Yeah. On top it's, of it. uh, yeah, we have a it, we have a very very positive culture. As much as I preach anything, it's all you know, please and thank yous and have fun, and we give them lunch, and they still get two beers after you know work, and on the weekends we're always hanging out and cooking, and it's a fun job. You know, it's not sausage making in the meat plant is really fun and exciting stuff. It's you know making meat, listening to music, and and the whole thing goes with beer. <laughs> Everything you do, so and that's part of your lifestyle oh, yeah. too. You haven't, you know, you're gonna keep doing that. Keep drinking till the keep day. Drinking I die. Till, yeah. Absolutely. Who kills me first, the booze or the pork fat? <laughs> but you're still going strong. Oh yeah, I love it. Absolutely. How's totally. your cholesterol? You know, I do a lot of exercise, but it could probably be better. You know, I run four days a week. Try to exercise as much. Always on my feet. All that good stuff. Are you eating a lot of product? I like every I just had a bra before I came here. I eat more sausages and meat than you should ever. I also eat a lot of vegetables, huge vegetable garden in my backyard. And, you know, I love vegetables as much as I do meat, but. So I think what a lot of people don't know about you, some do, but not everybody, is you're a fantastic cook. I didn't know that as a chef, yeah. I didn't know that. I went to the first year that Feast happened, uh-huh. you did an event with uh, Adam uh-huh. Stoppington. Yep. And your dishes were Aww. fantastic. Thank you. And I was—I had no idea that you yeah. cooked at yeah. the time. Totally. Now it's hard yeah. not to know. Yeah, I, I'd la- I landed in, you know, right when I got here, I tried to talk Michelle into opening my meat plant, just finishing my Swiss apprenticeship, and I was fortunate enough to get a job at Castagna, working with Kevin Gibson and Monique Sue, and I just worked my way up until eventually when Kevin wanted to leave, they let me be the executive chef, and it was, you know, one of the... Just it's the best time, you know, learning to cook and being with Monique Sue, which is, if you don't know her, she's just a, a legend on supporting good things. If it's a great farmer, delicious forager, any of those things, she really is just excited about food. And so going into that beautiful kitchen, cooking every single day, working on it, then working with the USDA at night to open up my meat plant, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I cooked, I still cook six days a week at home. I'm always in the kitchen or doing something. 
And uh, how often do you go to your restaurants? <laughs> All the time. So you're man, you're cooking six days three and going to the restaurants yeah, and, you know, like, and sampling a little salami. Yep, yep. Well, I, we do product testing almost every day in the meat plant. And then, of course, we have a lot of national customers too, right? And so they always swing through and so we always take them to a restaurant or, you know, I just try to stay active. One of the things that struck me this morning is you said you were the initial only employee yeah. when you started. So this is 2009. Yep. Eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it is, you know, what I like to do when someone says that is obviously identify what I was doing in 2009 mm-hmm. and try to think of what I've accomplished in that period of time. Mm-hmm. And it pales in oh. comparison to, no, from being the only employee to yeah. how many employees did you say you have now? We have 200. Because I don't want to get that wrong like I got yeah. the square footage. 200 You have, you have 200,000 employees? Yeah, 200,000 employees. <laughs> Biggest employer in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, to go from the little space, and you showed me the, the walk-ins and the smokers mm-hmm. and what you used to have and what you have, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. And okay. could you have, two, two parts to that, could you have envisioned it, and could your father and your mom, let's not leave your mom out of the equation yeah, too, but your father with, you know, your uh-huh. families in the restaurants, how, what yeah. if they could, see, could have seen that then? Yeah, one, there's no way I could have envisioned the, the growth like this, um, so I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, I get to see my mom and she's my biggest fan all the time. And she is definitely so proud of us. I mean, she still works demos at grocery stores and it's kind of her retirement is cruising around and preaching it. And she is, she just reeks with pride with me and Michelle, you know, she loves us and we love her and it's very, very flattering. And she's super happy. She loves food. My family, but my mom and my dad love food more than any human beings I've ever met. My mom wakes up at seven in the morning to start cooking still every day, and she lives with herself. And so, you know, we go over for Easter last week. She baked every one of the kids, grandkids, their own lamb cake, moussaka, spanakopita, tirakopita, every Greek dish you could imagine. She had a prep for three days, and it's just her happy spot. Like growing up as a kid, I mean, honestly, I can't think of one day that we ever woke up without fresh bread and Greek pastries and cooked three courses like or three meals a day. She just was feeding her little Greek army of kids and that's what you do. Is that, is that common in the, in the Greek culture? Big or, time. Cause I don't, it doesn't, I don't know, but would that be a Salt Lake It's not a Salt Lake city. Lots of Greeks in Salt Lake. That, is it that's really? kind of the, one of the big yeah. secrets is uh, aside from the obvious Mormon population, mm-hmm. I think probably the, the Greeks, are, Greeks are probably the second For largest. Sure. And do we know and, how they got there? Yes. Uh, uh, one, the culture is very similar to the mountain Greeks, like Spartan Greeks. So we oh, have okay. cold winters, sagebrush, olives, that works. And then the original copper mine, Kennecott, was Greek owned and operated. And so my great uncle came over and worked the copper mines way when my dad was a little tiny boy and came back and told of this place, Salt Lake, where you could buy land, there's a small city, it's a lot of Greeks, two, three Greek Orthodox churches, and all that stuff. And it's, I mean, I was just there uh, two weeks ago, and it has by far better Greek food than Oregon. Like, by far. Are. I would, well, I would, I would yeah, agree with that. Absolutely. Well, this isn't a hotbed of Greek. And then, <laughs> and, the, and well, and, the, and they, you know, both places have the the annual Greek festival. Yeah. The Greek festival in Salt Lake City is just Insane. it's crazy. Insane. Yeah. I used to, to Greek, go. I used to Greek dance there. They, there's a there's a chain. Well, there's multiple chains of uh, of Greek, Slovakia, uh, yeah. but like Crown Burger and mm-hmm. Apollo oh Burger. Oh my God, Pastrami Burger. Oh yeah. to die for. It is, yeah. I, when I, I was actually just there a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. yeah, I had to stop by Crown Burger. Gotsta. Yeah, it's, it's it's that good. Yeah. No, I need to make a stop. Oh, there. for sure. I've Great never group. actually been. I've driven, you know, kind of on my way from here to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. 
through it, but I never stopped. So have to do that. Didn't yeah. know that. And but what I find really impressive is that you just said, and this, these are this is a, a big statement on your mom and your father. Mm-hmm. You just said that you've you live in Portland, Oregon now, right? Yep. So and you just said you've never known anybody who loves and enjoys food more. Yeah. Than they do. Think of oh, thinking about the universe of people here it's who are huge. kind of into food. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and they do, she does it in such a natural way. You know, like she they she just grew up cooking and eating and gardening and making, you know, jellies and wine and all these things that she just has an appreciation that's pre social media, Instagram and genuine, you know, like it's just in her blood. She's happiest. If she's stressed or emotional, my mom will whip up bread. You know, that's just like her happy place. Which is, it's just great to see. I need someone like that in my life. Someone just whip something up to oh, make, to, for happiness. Yeah. So, you know, I first met her when I just happened to be uh, wandering around and I didn't even know Cannon Beach had a Tuesday or Thursday, mm-hmm. whatever day it is, um, farmer's market. And there's the, the, at the time, Olympic Provisions yeah. uh, booth. And it said, you look, you look like Michelle. You've got to, <laughs> and um, uh, so here's your mom. You uh-huh. have, how many farmer's markets do you do? Uh, during high season, we do 17 a week. So. 17. Wow. Yeah. And I'd like to get back to how that impacts your business. Absolutely. What you think. So yeah. how important that is uh-huh. to your biz- business here. But um, here she is with the company growing and growing and growing and re- literally you wouldn't know that Olympic Provisions, Olympia Provisions, was any different than the booth, the the farmer right next door yeah. who was that. That was their whole life coming out to the farmer's market. Yeah. She's just doing her thing. So um, it's kind of a, it's a small, big company. Yeah. It's and in terms of Portland, you know, it's it, nationally, you've got some great things going on. Mm-hmm. But you're still referred to as a small business with the number of employees you have. Yeah. But And we talked about this this morning. Mm-hmm. It, it, we live in a city where success is sometimes not necessarily frowned upon, mm-hmm. but it automatically people aren't pulling. Yep. Some people, so, not all, yeah. but some people aren't rooting any lo- longer for oh, you. Absolutely. They, yeah. So how how do you balance that? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I got to say, Portland, I love you more than anything in the whole world. And thank you for all the damn support you've ever had. And I, I'm so thankful to be in this city. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, I've heard it from people that are my good friends where they maybe aren't using my product because I'm considered the big guy here. And I mean, in the meat world, I'm considered the, one of the tinier guys. You know, I'm not a big company. <clears throat> so it is a sense of frustration because a lot of people think big business is bad business. And if you... You know, if you want to support or make a change in Oregon agriculture in any which way for the better, somebody's going to have to get big enough to actually make a change. And that's kind of been one of the ethos of Olympia Provisions forever. The first year or two, I was doing a lot of free processing for a lot of uh, Oregon pork farmers. Um, I was processing for free in trade that they would get value-added product and I'd get protein. And it was kind of a cool system. I was working a lot, giving away a lot of product, but I figured I had to build this infrastructure for Oregon pig farmers. And and this is when I wasn't doing millions of dollars of sales. We were like $1 million business maybe back then. And um, all three of those farmers went out of business in my first two years. And in that literal time, I told Michelle, I was in a very dark place. You know, what are we going to do? And she very smartly said, well, we need to grow. We need to grow until you actually have an impact and you can persuade the way people are going. And I did that with a lot of support with 
from Portlanders and Oregon's when I was small. But now I'm to the point where I can actually make a change, make sure we're using the best hogs in America, possibly change the system that we are farming. And to do that, I still need people's support, you know? And so I get very frustrated when people don't use my product because I'm such a genuine meat maker in America. And the meat world is very smoke and mirrors. A lot of people can put a pretty label on bad pork and have no meat plant and co-pack and all those horrible things. But right in downtown Portland, we have this, you know, amazing meat company. Sorry, that sounds arrogant, but just a handmade meat company doing everything absolutely right, trying to be the best company we can. So obviously I get a little irked when I see people not using my product and using. Yeah, well, you've poured shirt. your heart and you, you literally poured <laughs> someday your heart and soul. Yeah, into oh that. gosh, I, yeah. Um, it's, uh, so it's a, I guess you have to learn that you can't please everybody all the time. But how yeah. many, how many companies I know it's very. It could be very appropriate to say nobody, but how many companies like yours are there across the U.S. who are at least doing something close <laughs> to what you're doing with with the with the so, focus on gosh. using the products that you use? You know, it's it's very 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 small. I can't think. Uh, I could think of uh, one. There's like I've had two, but not at the scale that we're at right now. The majority of the the meat industry has a lot to do with co-packing, which is you know you may make one product, but then you take your other product and you just get a recipe from somebody and put your label on it. And you know I think which besides that and the fact of what we're trying to do with our pork sourcing, we're definitely uh, one of the very few that are doing it. All in house, really care about our product really trying to grow something that everybody in Portland's very proud of. And you know, as many, as much as, as visible as you are, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, you can't go to a grocery store and not uh-huh. see your product. Um, and you, I see it all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell your that whole story mm-hmm. other than the flavor and how good it is, but you, and that's- it's, it's kind of hard in this day when everybody's using the term natural and yeah. we're doing it all right and we're and you know farm raised and locally produced it's really hard to actually say no 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 no, no. Mm-hmm. we really are totally doing it and i think there's probably um you know there, i think we're fooled a lot mm-hmm. oh, that things aren't what they seem to yeah. be yeah if i think if i had one magic wand wish it would be that labeling was truly transparent in america where like you had to actually say what you're doing on every single label and having finer ways to define it, similar to Europe, where it's like you know you're not you're not pulling somebody's the wool over somebody's eye in an AOC or any of those respected regions that are actually producing it. It's pretty genuine, but here it's more of an image you can buy, and you know it would make you stand out that much more. So <laughs> this morning you I I was introduced to your USDA inspector, uh-huh. who's there. Every, All, every day. Yep. And they work with us every single day, sun up, sun down. You know, probably three days a week they get there before we do or like right when we're arriving they do what a pre-op is. And that's, you know, they take a flashlight and run through everything and, uh, you know, swab your machines, make sure they're clean, uh, check your paperwork. And that has to be done by the time we start processing at 630. If we're not absolutely immaculate, they close you down. So it's it's got to be, and that's a lot of money if you close down for one day. So... I would have to imagine, how many years has this been going on? Uh, this is my eighth year. Yeah. With the USDA inspector. You yeah, started with the USDA? Yeah, yeah, I started. Uh, so, I mean, so she comes in, She doesn't she now know you well enough and everybody to go, I don't really need, you know. Yeah, well, it rotates. The USDA, your, your inspector rotates every six months and then within there they get audited. And, you know, it's like, it's like anything. You just got to stay on top of it, you know, and so it's. 
it's a weird way. It's obviously a point of frustration for some companies to work with the USDA, but if you have a good relationship with you, it's kind of like hiring the best manager you've ever had in your entire life. Like somebody that's there, it's really strict to make sure everything's getting done perfect. If not, it's going to be brought to your attention and then it's a bigger problem. So if you if you work with them well and you're willing to, they say jump and you say how high, you know, paint this, do it that day, get everything done the way they want to, it's a great relationship. But if you start getting lazy and slacking, then that's when it gets ugly. Well, I would imagine you also couldn't survive if it was a contentious relationship every day (laughs) with the the prison warden standing over your shoulder watching. And that's a lot of the old world or the old guys in America have that USDA relationship where it's just like fight them on everything. You know, don't don't buckle. My grandpa did it this way. We don't clean our smokehouse, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a battle. And that's not the route I want to take. So, you know, (laughs) and you know the deal. So you're not going to argue. It, no. And I'm sure there are probably times where you think that's not necessary, but <laughs> exactly. I got to have this little stamp. Absolutely. I want to have this stamp yes. and this is what I'm going to do. And then for the most part, I have to say that they are really great and they're smart and they, you know, they do a good job. But yeah, there's been multiple times where I've been like only one time actually that I had to call on the heavy hitters because I knew he was wrong and we just didn't get along well. And I was like, hey, I need to talk to your boss and I'll stop processing today, but you're wrong. That's pretty good that it was only one time. Yep, yep. And the guy got laid off after that. Pausing a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places in Portland to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It has been a favorite of a lot of people for uh, almost 75 years. Mm -hmm. Celebrating their 75th year this year is Ringside Steakhouse in the Peterson family. Yep. And so we're not the first ones to have it be our favorites. No, but but it's definitely if you've got a special occasion or if you just are looking for a great place to go eat tonight, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and if we got a couple of things. We usually record this podcast on Mondays. Yeah. And so once in a while we go for the it's prime night oh, at yeah. uh, at Ringside Steakhouse, prime rib rib dinner, three courses. 35 bucks. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. While supplies last, we got to add that in there. Well, yeah, just don't call us if they're out. Right. That's all. But but you can also do the the the, the prime rib any other time of the of the week. They also have their three course specials that uh, are either before 6 or after 6 um, where you get that uh, that same three course and I got to say the uh, creme brulee at Ringside Steakhouse. It can't be beat. See now Creme brulee isn't my thing. That's mm-hmm. good. But French onion soup is. Oh, yeah. And in that three courses, you can get the front sure. French onion soup. And oh, that's, yeah. That's 45 bucks for a three-course supper special. That's not necessarily prime rib. They have some Other really things. good options. I do the, uh, the steak and surf and steak. What do they call it? Steak and surf and turf. Surf and turf. That's the, Pretty that's sta- the technical term. It rhymes. That's all. So speaking of rhyming. I was thinking steak and shake. This doesn't rhyme, but I wanted to share with people because, you know, I was... I was hungry last week, and I and I landed upon the happy hour menu. Mm-hmm. So the happy hour at, at Ringside. Look at this, top of head, four to five thirty on Sunday, or any night after nine thirty. Yep. So if you're out there, it's getting close to eight or nine, and you're thinking I'm hungry, just wait till nine thirty and jump into Ringside. Listen to this: a house ground cheeseburger is three seventy five. Only three seventy five. Only three seventy five. Add on a buck. Ring, this is Ringside. Yeah. This is not. Add on a bucket and you get bacon on it. Yeah, there you go. And they have uh, clam strips for four seventy five. Mm-hmm. Uh, fried calamari. I've had that. I've had that. It's delicious. Same thing. Yep. Four seventy five. Um, jumbo shrimp, five seventy five. So uh, great deal. But I'll tell you what. Even if you don't hit happy hour, you can order most of those things, yeah. and they're all delicious. And uh, it's always a nice dinner out at ringside yep you can make your reservations today at ringsidesteakhouse.com 
So you have to have, there are skills <laughs> that no one taught you, you know, when as a kid mm-hmm. or, or in Switzerland or in Greece. Oh, sorry. Then maybe they didn't, they may have, but, mm-hmm. but the skills of patience <laughs> where you, all, all the, the, everything you had to jump through, I would imagine in Portland, Oregon, to build facilities, rebuild facilities, open restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's not just, let's go do this. No. It's, yeah. So it's freaking persistence. I say that to everybody. It's like, it's easy to get an idea off the ground. Then year three is when it starts to become actually difficult. <laughs> like where you have to continue to put forth, you know, you gotta be better every single day and you gotta keep working so hard at making it perfect, be it your restaurant, how you treat your employees, how you're doing everything, always working at systems and then just realizing that it's not gonna get easier, that every single day it's probably gonna be harder and you're probably not gonna get that vacation and you're probably gonna have to work your ass off and then just being comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah, and you would think that the, the standard, I know my thought has always been, and I don't know about yours, Court, but the older you get, the more you work at something, it's supposed to get easier. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to provide for you, but also get to the point where you don't need to put as much into it. Yeah. Do you see yourself getting to that? Well, getting to the point where you can step back a little bit. I know I, you mentioned I, this morning you're yeah. stepping back a little bit from totally, the, the yeah. obsessive working. Exactly. I mean, I am here on a Monday, and that would have never happened three years ago. I would have been, you know, elbow deep in sausage meat and never leaving my sausage table. Um, I have, I think in my meat plant right now, I have four of my original employees for eight years, you know, so, and I fully trust those guys and our sales team are amazing. You know, we have HR, we have marketing, Dana, you know, and we have sales and we have a lot of really talented people that have surrounded me that maybe I'm stepping a little bit back out of everyday meat production, but I'm still working on bigger things like the Oregon pork process, sourcing, selling, things like that. Um, stepping back, but I don't think I'm anywhere near done. If you know what I mean, like I got a lot of work to do in the next decade. And how many different products do you have now? You Gosh, know? I think the last time we saw, you know, we're doing pickles now as well. And you know, all those things, I think we have uh, 75 SKUs and now we're going into beef and poultry and all that good stuff. And that's not easy, to, right? So meat, I would imagine has to carry with it a lot of any kind of meat. Mm-hmm. A lot of regulations oh, yeah. and a lot of Every, hoops you have to, yeah. so, so you're not thinking, how do we make this easy? And I'm not going to mention any specific food because then someone's going to say, what do you think that's, that's not, <laughs> but you're not, you're not trying to ease it down a little bit. No, you're just yeah. cranking it up. Yeah, sure. Exactly. You know, we, we want to, we want to keep it going. There's no doubt about it. It's yeah, we're, we've just begun. <laughs> so, uh, your life in front of you, do you foresee, um, you know, it sounds like children and and leaving the business to so what's the future of olympia provisions 20 years from now are you looking at that yeah totally absolutely the future i hope for olympia provisions is you know i got a lot of as i said loyal employees and i want to make sure that we're grown to a place where they could live a very happy life you know i, I love when i see an employee buy a house or buy cars and to do that i got to keep growing and pushing them you know, there are a lot. And so, you know, it, you know, we're dreaming and I, and I think it's true that it can happen. You know, I do want to own my own slaughterhouse and I do want to own my own um, small wiener farms where I'm bringing my type of pigs out to ranchers to finish them off. And I want, you know, lifelong employees to be invested in that and be part of my business as we grow and then see where that goes. You know, that's, that's the ultimate goal. And then besides that, you know, my hobbies, bird hunting, 
<laughs> killing elks with bow and arrows and things like that and gardening. So they're sli- slightly related. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So <laughs> I got a fetish with killing things. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and how do you come to grips? With, is that something you need to come to grips with? I mean, you obviously just mentioned it yeah. as a fetish. Yeah. So no, I it, it's it's really odd to me that I work in meat this much, and then on my free time, I'm training dogs to go kill birds, and you know, it's primal. It is very like primal. Back to- yeah, it is very primal. But I I love it, and it's just my pat. It's just my hobby. It's like a way. That's my only way to really you know step away from the businesses, be in the middle of nowhere and pretending to be a tree. And it's something you can do in the Pacific Northwest fairly <laughs> easily. Right? Probably so. one of the best states in the America to do it in. And it's, let's go back to it, it is the most delicious meat. No matter what you do in the world, wild shot animal is just my favorite type of protein. And you can't, you can't process that and no, sell it. It's all in my house. Yeah. Right, but you, if, even there. if you could, you can't. No. There's no. Yeah, there's not enough, and le- legally you can't. <laughs> legally, I can't. Wait a how it. did how did Arby's get away with their their venison san- sandwich? Did you ever hear about that? Arby's had a venison. Well, sandwich. but it can't be wild caught. Yeah, it's it just been farm raised. raised. Far- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would make sense. Totally. Yep. Hmm. What What is your the ultimate hunting? natural kind of northwest experience do you remember For me yeah i'm sure you've had a few of them but do, uh, can you recall offhand where you might have been in the moment where you just said this is like, yeah incredible yeah this I is mean, what i I've, really love i've uh, uh i was i was on the um the gosh darn it the uh in troy the grand ron river and we were hunting for chucker and do you know what chuckers are? They're like no. and like uh, kind of like a partridge. They're these really amazing birds that strive in these very high areas. And I was hunting with my dog and my beautiful girlfriend, Jess, and she's a winemaker. She makes wine out of our backyard. And we had just finished like a picnic of my meat, my, you know, cheese and salami. And I stood up, my dogs go on point. I shoot two chucker. I celebrate because they're really hard to get. And on the way back to the truck, I found about two pounds of chanterelles. And then we were staying in the town and I just had to literally start a fire and make a chanterelle sauce and eat chucker and then drink more wine. And I'm like, I am never leaving. I'm never leaving. I'm never leaving. And then, you know, you can catch bass right there. You can, you know, fly fishes right out your door. So did you have the, I'm just curious because where we are, did you have the urge to capture it all and share it on Instagram or did you Sometimes I do. (laughs) Sometimes I do, but people give me so much shit that I need to do it more. I need to be more active in my social media life. Well, I think it's fine (laughs) to just live in that moment. You know, so many times, some of my best, and that doesn't mean when I post to Instagram, I'm not enjoying it, but absolutely some of my best meals that I've enjoyed at least in the last couple of years, you don't know... I was there on Instagram because I was having so engaged. Right. I didn't like. I'm not oh, taking yeah. pictures, and that's like, it's when you take the picture halfway through the meal. You're just like, that's ah, like. Sorry, me. I couldn't help myself. That's exactly me every time. Yeah, I'm like it's always like, oh. so stoked to eat and sit down and right. start drinking, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot. Right, I'm supposed to. Supposed you're to. Not supposed, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to. It's a, it's a <laughs> it's very a interesting world that uh-huh. everything needs to you know think about. Yeah, um, I'm a little older than you, but I think about all the moments in my life that yeah. were really cool Mm -hmm. and they weren't shared they're just memories totally and that's it they weren't shared i I have a ton of things from back in the 80s that were i just cleaned out my house the other day Uh and i found some really really cool pictures Mm -hmm. that in in the day would have been Mm -hmm. insane you know 100, 200 likes. No, I love I love what Instagram has done to uh, some chefs. You know, they, I, I I absolutely love it. You know, 
chefs have been such an overlooked, hardworking group of people. And I genuinely mean that, like underpaid, they work their asses off, never celebrated, but they're using this little platform of social media to pick up jobs, to get sponsorships, to bring people into their restaurants and the people that can actually really harness that and use it as a tool, I love it. And it's also just celebrating, Not it's not the only thing, but most of the people I follow, celebrating food and drink and that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I love, I mean, I, I, I'm such a voyeur on that thing. I just watch everybody's Instagram and be like, it looks so good. It's so good. And they're so good at taking pictures. Yeah. And, and the food in the city is beautiful. Oh, and now you've so got cameras that can make it look better in dark light <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. Um, totally. We've had that discussions, but I, you know, I think about, I think about social media a lot, but let's talk about the real social media, which is uh, farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. Cause that is Oh, that's yes. organic social media. Yeah, it's the, right. You're right there in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, what? How do you think you would have been able to grow? It would have um, been extremely difficult. There's no doubt about it for multiple reasons. One, you have to get your brand out there, which I think is so important. Um, you know, talking to people every day, saying we're in Portland, Oregon. I can still go work a farmers market and introduce my product to people. Wait a minute, you make this here? You have restaurants? You do what? It's you know, that's year eight of us doing this every damn day of just getting it out there and selling it. Um, and then cash flow is unbelievable for a small business. That direct to consumer sales where you make your largest margins on a product and it's cash usually, so you can actually use it right away. You don't have to wait for accounts to be payable, you know, all those things. And so once you show to a bank that you are cash positive and willing to work for it, that's when you start to ask for bigger loans and you're starting to get you know, you're a responsible business owner if you're showing a positive cash flow and you're not buying new cars and not doing stupid things. So it's very important. I suggest anybody, small business, whatever you can do to support the Portland Farmers Markets and go either get your product in there or support it, please do. But it's not easy for you to get to Cannon Beach, Mm-mm. right? I mean, that's something you, that, you gotta that's be, a you gotta way have out a of your way. Mom. <laughs> right, but, it would all, <laughs> but there are other ones, I'm sure you're, I'm not privy to all your farmer's markets, uh-huh. but it would be easy to say, hey, we're not doing that one any longer. We don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know, that's where Michelle Cairo comes in. You know, if we, if it if it makes 100 bucks in one year, it's worth doing. You know, it's, we pay the employee, we're employing somebody. We're getting our product out there. We use it a lot as R&D. If I come up with a new recipe and I want to see the feedback for people, I'll put it on the samples table and see how many they sell and what they move. And if it's the product I want to, go to, then it'll go to my restaurants and then the, the chefs will try it and they'll give me my feedback. And then by the time it runs it through that ringer, then I'm ready to release it to the nation. So it's... That's an incredible, it's an incredible system that you have. And the restaurants are a big part of it too. Oh yeah. Because you didn't have to do the restaurants. You could have just wanted to process <laughs> yeah. meat. How, so where did that come into the equation when you started? And, yeah. um, and then I also, I don't know Nate very well. No, We've so had a couple of conversations, but how did, how did it all come about? Yeah. So, so Nate and I worked with each other at Castagna. I was the, by the way, Nate Tilden. Nate Tilden, can't sorry. That yes, people. yes, Nate Tilden, um, the man, the myth, the legend. He, uh, he, we used to work at Castagna. I was the executive chef, and he was managing the front of the house of the cafe, and kind of was the GM of everything, and also an amazing cook. Uh, he broke off to open up the Clyde Commons, and two years later, the whole time I was working with the USDA to open up my meat plant and you know work on a charcuterie company, and at his wedding, he mentioned to me, hey, Eli, I know meat and charcuterie is your world. I want you to know 
no hard feelings. I'm opening up a restaurant that is going to be charcuterie focused and we're going to make all of your char- our charcuterie in house. And I was like, the F you are, what are you talking about? Nate, come on, you know, this is my steez. That's cool. You should use my product. And he looked at me and he's like, where are you going to put your meat plant? And I was like, you know, I'm still looking. He's like, what if I had a space for you? Would you think about partnering on this with me? And I was like, oh, it's a great idea. Maybe, yeah, I love working with Nate. You're a hard worker. This could be cool. Met at Produce Row back in the day, two blocks away, had two beers, walked across the street to Olympia Provisions, Olympic, the Olympic Mills building, walked in. He's like, I'm thinking about naming this thing Olympic Provisions. What do you think? And I was like, let's do it. And he said he'd manage the restaurants with Tyler, my other business partner, and you know get that off the ground. And I just had to focus on my meat plant. And boy, it's, you know, owning a restaurant is definitely a labor of love, but it's an amazing thing to do if you're trying to build a brand as well. Well, so. also it gave you an, uh, gave you somewhere to sell it immediately. Absolutely. Instantly. And, and feedback that you were just mentioning feedback. Yeah. And utilization of things that aren't perfect. You know, like you can, if I have maybe a batch of salami, it's not perfect. I could still sell it to them and they could grind it and make it into a broth. And at least I'm not wasting it. Now that I have the Urban Gleamers, I usually use them instead, but, you know. (laughs) How much waste do you have? Very, very little. Very, you know, with the uh, art, we strive to only lose 1%. Yeah, Uh, very little. It's kind of the responsible way for a meat maker to, you know, you shouldn't waste anything. And how hard is that to do? Well, you got you just mentioned one way that you deal with yeah. it. Yeah. But you, product know, you, got a, you got a ton of product there yeah. and two restaurants. So got, well, well you, now you got more. I was yeah. more thinking of the restaurants, the not restaurant, just the restaurants. worst. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's not, I wouldn't say not just the worst. That OP worst yeah. on Division is, I just love it. Oh, that Fantastic. makes me so. I, I love it too. And it might be the death of me. I love it that much. I'm, it's so fun to drink beer and eat sausages, you know. And, and it's, it's, not, it's not even summer yet. <laughs> right. Court, have you been there? I, I have not. Oh, no. you got to come. Oh, you got to get I'm down I'm totally there. down. I it's, was just out in the, and I haven't been, I didn't even know there was an outside to it because the only other time I've been there, we went inside yep. for the to intro. Yep. And this was what, a month? That was a month Gosh, ago, maybe. Yeah, no, no, a month and a half, two yeah, months ago. Yeah, this is week eight. Right. So now you've got your picnic table set up out there. So far. And so you've got some incredible pretzels. So incredible <laughs> that I, I made a deal with Rick Giancarelli that he's got to come out to Manzanita and bring those pretzels. Yeah. That's part of the that's part of the deal. Totally. Victor Darris, I tell you, man, that guy's a genius. He's worked with us forever. And he just, he looked at us. He was our sous chef. He came from Ox and he's worked in all these amazing restaurants. He's great. And he was like, you know, my whole dream is I want to open up just a sausage and beer bar kind of concept. And I was like, well, excuse me? Wait, yeah, well, say, say that he's again? not talking to the right guy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do? And then, then, you know, he come, he's just an amazing cook. Do you think he knew who he, did oh, he just yeah, yeah. drop, he, was that a passive aggressive kind of? He was working at our, at our restaurant for three years before we finally opened up the first worst. And he he actually is was one of the you know the how it started is the northwest restaurant would battle the southeast restaurant on frankfurt or fridays where they'd make a hot dog and put on the zaniest toppings or crazy toppings or most delicious toppings and see who sold more through the day and victor was like hands down the biggest winner are, are there <laughs> competitions between the two restaurants to see in jest yeah it's always fun how do sure. they do comparatively speaking it you know it's two total different clientels um, and depending on, you know, the Southeast, you have the more what you would expect of a Portland crowd, a little more bohemian, drinking all day, every day. Not, you know, you go in and see, you know, $2,000 in liquor at a lunch on a Friday. And Northwest is still more reserved, like old Portland, where maybe it's like, you know, you still got to be a little bit more refined and 
whatnot. They're both amazing, and it's 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 been very eye opening to us how many people hate one and love the other, and vice versa. Or they're like, really? Oh my god! What is there to hate about one? And I don't know. You're telling me parking. I, I mean, parking it both sucks. So, it's not, but it's not you don't have to pay. Well, no, yeah. now in Northwest you have, you to, have pay to pay over there. Yeah, yeah all that. <laughs> well, but it makes it on the flip side. It probably makes it easier to park. Some somewhat. Yeah, I don't know. It, you know, maybe it's yeah. Some people think that Southeast is just a hideous looking restaurant and dark and. Oh, I think it's really cool. Thank you, I appreciate it. I've, I I've always it, felt it's like, it's one of the places. And I have a friend coming in this week from out of town, and we have like one dinner we're gonna awesome. do. That's about it. And it's on top of my mind. But it's one of the places that embodies for me that if you want to give someone that Portland experience, it's uh, pretty cool. And I, I, think so. I just mentioned to you. I hadn't been there in two or three years, and I had always been, I can't call myself a regular, but mm-hmm. off enough, I was there enough where I felt like I've gotten to know this restaurant, yeah. but I hadn't been there in two or three years recently, and it brings back the thought that this place is incredible, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to do that in this town, mm-hmm. with everybody being all oh, about so the new, yeah. and here's this wonderful restaurant that's obviously getting better right oh, because it doesn't get worse no, well it could yeah but you've still got alex in there oh, yeah. cooking and it's yeah. got alex all the good things and our you know we have like what four psalms now and like the wine world is so great and it, it just the the, the the talented people that work at all of the restaurants and the meat plant blow my mind they're just really invested which is great in portland you're seeing that now you know when we first maybe at castania there was like a handful of us that were really into food and wine and beer and beverage and all this. There was only there wasn't a ton of us. Not like now. Now it's like you put a resume up on Poached, you're getting three psalms from Boston. You know what I mean? And cooks from every city in America that want to come out and work here. So the 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 level of talent that are is out there and that are really invested in what they do as a career is definitely improved. Well, that runs against the grain of what I generally hear that it's so hard to find good cooks and huh. you know the front of the house issue versus the back of the house issue. Yeah. So that's very different than uh, yeah. what I've heard from a lot of people. You uh, do you think it's your maybe the reputation brand? the brand maybe people... maybe that they heard it I don't know I I would love to, I think it has a lot to do with Alex and the chef Eric Joppy at Northwest and they just are those more modern day chefs where it's polite very professional, upbeat, and then the front of the house, they're very professional. You know, they're always studying classes and wine courses and all that stuff and trying to make it better. And it's a good place. We've definitely um, developed a culture of learning. You know, you can come here and, you know, continue your education and keep growing as a cook and a chef and a server, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. I, I think that Portland's chock full of talent right now. I would think so, but it's also chock full of restaurants. That's true. Um, That's true. I really honestly feel that if nothing opened for another year, be fine. it would be actually good because it could help mm-hmm. some of those that have done really good things over the years sustain mm-hmm. and not have to fight for attention because mm-hmm. it's easier for the new ones to get the attention. Oh, yeah. And the, the, these new ones are so delicious too. You know, I like, know. You go to these new ones here. What's like, the next Oh, best? I thought it could be any better. Gosh, this place is amazing. And, <laughs> and human nature is I want to oh, go yeah. somewhere new. Yep. I want to try something I haven't tried before totally. or that let me get there before someone else yeah. and put it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think that I think we were talking about it a little bit though this morning. It's like it's our it's like our playlist. Now we can go back to like the albums we loved to hear back in the day. I was saying I went to Navarre this weekend and it was so rad. Is this like an amazing wine list? All the vegetables are perfect. So laid back and like, I haven't been here in four years, but you just 
you, you know, you walk right in and, and you're you like, think, this is the greatest I... place. I know. <laughs> this opened I... up tomorrow. It should re- there should be a way, there should be an app to wipe it clean and make it a new restaurant with the same name <laughs> and just here it years. is. Um, <laughs> and you know, that's, you think about it, big brands, and maybe you'll come to it too, but mm-hmm. you're... But you have such opportunities nationwide that in Portland you have different challenges mm-hmm. than I would imagine, or opportunities and challenges mm-hmm. than you have nationally. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe someday you'll have to do what Coke did, which was to fuck around with it and come up with classic Coke and classic yeah. and screw around with it and classic just not realize business. that you got something good and deal with a little sales slip and sure. some, and some competition. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's, you know, the 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 lifespan of a business is crazy and you know, you have to do what you have to do to keep going and remember your core values and what you got into it for, but you know, we're not afraid to change. That would be horrible. Yeah, you've had to. You have to. So, if you could go back, is there something What's the biggest thing you think you have learned in the business that if you go back, you would have done and your life, your business would be better now and your life would be better Um, because your business is your life? Gosh, when I tell people to get into it, use a good lawyer. (laughs) You know, I instantly say that, you know, even what you think is very small, have somebody that has a bigger picture look at your look at your plans. Even if you're going into a food cart with a business partner of any sort, make sure that you're both protected on a very even, honest, unbiased level. Because business can get ugly in a hurry if people are feeling underpaid or need more money, et cetera. So just make sure that you've got all your bases covered because you never know what it can grow into. Yeah. And that's challenging too because if you're a young business- No money. No, yeah, <laughs> attorneys are not just yep. a small little- but part I of the equation. Tell you it's worth it. You know, it's an attorney fee. If to write up a business operating agreement is isn't the most expensive thing you're going to spend on. Spend the two k, and even if it's not, you just spend the two thousand. Write one up a generic one, and then have a good lawyer that you know from somebody just quickly look at it and make any changes and just give you that protecting. Is that everybody. a little bit like the prenup, though? So oh, your yeah, business very partner's so. going to look at it and say, yes. well, if we well, feel like we need this. Yeah, yeah. Right. absolutely <laughs> it is. But no I, guess, I guess the, the, the uh, idea would be if you get through that, mm-hmm. then you kind of know what <laughs> yeah. you're dealing with. Absolutely. It's the same exact conversation with a wedding or a prenup. Wow, time is going fast. Mm-hmm. It is. Swimming. It's so much fun. I had no idea. We need to do more parts of this. And I really would, somehow we got to figure out how to do video where we do the run through the- We'll, we'll have to just go through and not do a live. I, I can come down, I can, I, can, I can come through with my camera and mm-hmm. tape yeah. it out. Great. Yeah. I've got well, some videography I tried, skills. I tried Facebook Live this morning, we had which lasted, bit. what, 13 <laughs> seconds? I tried to watch it. I was I was actually sitting in the studio <laughs> trying, like, what what's going on? Well, we lost connection. Right. Because there was- You're, you're in a big, it big was building. In, so what's the name of that room? Uh, that dry we, boxes. The dry box. It, the okay. Rooms, yeah. And just incredible. So I'll have some photographs mm-hmm. uh, yeah. of that, which we'll put up on uh, right at the Forks website, but- um, that is an incredible facility, and mm-hmm. you do you walk in there every day. You must, because I can just tell you have the heart to do this, mm-hmm. and have total appreciation for. Mm, without a doubt. Uh, so describe how that feels <laughs> after you started as the only employee, yeah. and now just maybe describe what some of the facilities are that you've built, and mm-hmm. you're ready for growth in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, we pinch ourselves all the time. The, the guys that built this with me, Polly and Josh and Raul and all those guys that have just been there forever. We, we always will make jokes about when we used to do like 
150 pounds. And now it's like, if we don't do that in under 15 minutes, something's broken. And you've never hired a consultant, you told me. Never. Just learned it yourself. We do and... it all ourselves. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we have had architects. Right. right. Okay. You need those, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of, no, and, you've had some, and you've had assistance from equipment manufacturers. Yep, exactly. Good partnerships, but never like a, a consultant or an engineer or anything like that that would come in and say, this is the way to do it. You know, well, you, you walked into my steel shop and wood shop. I mean, we are very much so the Nate Tilden philosophy of if they can build it, we can build it good enough <laughs> and get good at it. And, you know, welding and cutting and all that stuff, it just makes it a little bit you know, more important and easier. And profitable, Absolutely. I would imagine, yeah, right? Oh yeah. You know, you're That's, not paying somebody else to do it and you're in control and it's there. Yeah, and you're you not dealing with surprises. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, the, the biggest, for some reason, it's when I walk in there on a Friday after it's all cleaned up and nobody's in there and we have like, you know, gosh, last year I was averaging 35,000 pounds of salami hanging in my dry box for the majority of the year, and it's immaculate and cleaned, and the paperwork is put away, and it's just this big, beautiful meat plant. That's when I'm like, oh, how the hell did this even happen? Like, how did we actually produce 14,000 pounds of perfect sausage today? And then that's when it really gets like, ah, this is so cool. Let's and again, I would ask anybody listening to this to think back to what you were doing in 2009. Yeah. And you were not, this did not, nothing existed. (laughs) No. And uh, just quickly, because I know this isn't your end of the business, but um, how big was the impact of uh, the Olympic National Committee giving you a hard time? Oh, gosh, it was as close as we've ever been to going out of business. Just because of that. A lot of, a lot, a lot of moving parts of my business partners, and I've never gotten into an argument. Like we we work work really well together, and deciding on what to change our name was a very difficult task for us. For some reason, we all had our opinions, which is did, very did you have differences of opinion as to whether you should fight this or that? How was, far you want to take so it? So that was pretty quick. Once our once our lawyers looked at it, and they're like, "You do know it's an actual law; it's not a trademark law. You'd have to go to the Senate to fight this. Do you want to do that?" Oh. Yeah, that's something you didn't have experience with in Salt Lake City. I don't no. Know. <laughs> well, you, you know, when when the Olympics came in in 2002, because there's a good chunk of town oh, right. that's named, that had Olympic in its name. There's Olympic Diner by the radio station yeah. I was at. They, mm-hmm. Everybody had to change their name when the OLCC came in. I wish I would have known that. It was, yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> in fact, I think, I can't remember, I, I think when we had our conversation uh-huh. a few years back, I, I was actually in the back of my mind. I didn't say anything. I'm like, how are they getting away with this? Yeah. Yeah, we because <laughs> the, you know we we couldn't even do little jokey stunts Olympic parody bits on on the radio yeah, without getting phone calls from the Olympic lawyers. I mean, yeah. it's uh, well, it's, it's like un, the it's super, un, you can't say the Super Bowl, right? You have to call it the game, right? Which really? Is oh yeah, that's horrible. You, you cannot put the Super Bowl in any anything if you're marketing if you're making money right. from it. You cannot. Mm. Refer to it as the Super Bowl, well, it's the which game. isn't which is unfortunate because the uh, Olympic is just you know mm-hmm. it's it's been around for centuries, yeah. not necessarily as the Olympic Games. Yeah. So. And I mean, we, we tried to tell them that that you know we hand wrote them a letter when they first sent it. Right. We, they didn't care. No, it was hilarious. We were like, you know, I am Greek. We kind of invented the word Olympic. Right. <laughs> you know, we try to talk them into being like the salami is the size of a baton, and your athletes could have a protein pack generated food. You guys can use that, and we'll just keep the name Olympic. And they were like, we need to talk to your lawyers. And we're like, well, you're no fun. <laughs> so, do you have? Uh, is there? Do you, can you quantify what that cost you? In in dollar figure, I don't know. I think we should have to chime in, but you know, I'd I'd have to say, God, because you had to redo the website and everything. I think it's probably a quarter million. You know. 
So mm-hmm. is that what you were thinking about when you said get a good lawyer? One of the things you were one thinking of the, about? One of the things, like, you, 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 just can't, you just can't know it all, and there's people out there that know way more than you that'll save you a lot of money in the long run. Like, if I would have used a lawyer that would have known about trademarking or known about business structure, I would have probably been way better off and further on down the line. But, that, but like anything in life or in business, you can't know everything. Mm-hmm. There are going to be those things that cost you. Oh, yeah. That are learning experiences, mm-hmm. and you have to use them as such. And you pick your battles every day. You know, it's like, what do you, do you really want to go to waste all this money to go fight the Olympic Committee when they're going to win, or do you just adjust and think about making a better livelihood for There, There might have been, you know, you can quantify, as you said, a quarter million or just mm-hmm. come up with a number, but on the other hand, there were some huge benefits because a lot of you got a lot of press from that. Totally, yeah. and you got a lot of people pulling for yeah. you. Portland you rallied, t- you talk like, about yeah, talk right. about what we were referencing before as you become a little ubiquitous over time, and then yeah. now you got something that we're okay. Yeah. We're behind our our boys and yep. girls over here. Totally, so, um, very cool. So, what are you excited about? Either you're personally or business wise. So you can have your PR moment for the business, or just. What's what's coming up in the next year for you that, that's exciting you? I'm really, really, really excited to start making beef and chicken sausages that for the the business. What you know, I'm very excited to stop only not only make pork but be able to get a little bit more diverse. And, and when are we going to see that or taste uh, that? The OP Worst has both the chicken and the beef sausages there now, and they will be finished in the next two weeks, ready for sale. Cool. Court, I know Court wants to know if you need testers. Done. Right. Long no, well, I, actually, I re, I, I've been to your place in, in Pine Tree Market, but mm-hmm. I just haven't been to the place out in Division. But if yeah, if there's a job opening ever for a taster. <laughs> Done. I don't, I'm not even looking for the job. I just like if you need someone to come taste Right, sure. It. Anytime. Anytime you guys are looking <laughs> for a protein Remember said kick, that. Yeah. Anytime. You know, so next time I'm searching around, where am I going to go? I'm just going to call me. text yeah. you up and say, hey, can I eat? Yes, <laughs> no? is the answer. Always in my family. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Always. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much. This has been a long time coming. We're in totally, your, so nice. It's too long that we haven't had you on the mm-hmm. podcast because uh, we've been doing this for three years. And yeah, you're fun. one of the key players in this uh, in this little world we oh. call Portland. Lucky. So thanks so much. Thank you, guys. It's been so fun. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 